Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to the November 2021 CTSS quiz. We have 10 cases that I've selected just for you. And without any further ado, let's get started. In this case, there's a mass by the pericardium on the right side. It's cystic, well-defined, kind of abuts the diaphragm. What could it be? Well, you can think about maybe this is nodes, but nodes are solid, and this is cystic. In terms of cystic, then you can say, what about an abscess? But abscesses are lower density, not so homogeneous, can have air bubbles. A bronchogenic cyst is a good thought, but this is away from the airway. So we think about bronchogenic cysts, we think about esophageal duplication cysts, and we think about pericardial cysts. This is a perfect location for a pericardial cyst. They can be small, they can be large, water density, homogeneous, just a beautiful example of a pericardial cyst. In this patient with an FUO, what's the best diagnosis? Well, first look at the images. There are bilateral adrenal masses, and then there's infiltration of the pancreas. There's infiltration, not like pancreatic cancer, but an infiltrating process. So you say to yourself, what gives me adrenal involvement, and what gives me pancreatic involvement? I don't see anything in the kidneys, but I've only seen a little bit of the kidneys. I don't see anything in the spleen or liver. Well, TB can involve the adrenals, but not the pancreas. And lung cancer, you can get METs to the adrenal, that's possible. And you can get METs to the pancreas, but not diffuse infiltration. And as I mentioned, this does not have the look of pancreatic cancer. It's too infiltrating. If this was pancreas, I would say it's lymphoma. And in fact, that's the answer. You have infiltration of the entire pancreatic gland, and you have bilateral solid adrenal masses. A very good description for a patient with lymphoma. Just a really nice example. Pancreatic lymphoma can occur by itself, but it's pretty rare. Usually you have multi-organ involvement. In this patient with chest pain, the best diagnosis is, well, when you look at the images, you see a large cystic lesion that's centered in the middle mediastinum. Now you could think about lymphoma, but that's usually solid, not so cystic. Metastatic renal cell is solid and typically vascular. So now I'm thinking about something cystic, bronchogenic cyst, esophageal duplication cyst. Now that's a tough call. Now you can see it does abut the esophagus on the left-sided image. And in fact, I've seen esophageal duplication cysts, but never this large. This is so epicentered in the midline, it's closely related to the tracheal bifurcation. This was one of the larger, most unusually positioned bronchogenic cysts. Now bronchogenic cysts most commonly occur subcarinal region and paratracheal zone on the right. So the subcarinal zone, it's perfect, but I have to admit this is one of the larger bronchogenic cysts I've seen, but that's the correct answer. In this 50-ish-year-old woman, what's the best diagnosis? Well, when we analyze the images, we see a large cystic septated pancreatic mass with calcifications. There are multiple punctate calcifications. Now, in the age group, mucidocystic neoplasm is a good thought, but that tumor typically has a single septation at best. It has calcifications around the rim, not centrally, so that's not a good answer. Spend tumors, the age is not good. You can have calcifications in spend tumors, and obviously they can be cystic and solid, but this is just too many septations. It's not an IPMN, obviously. This is a classic example of a serous cyst adenoma. Very nice appearance, multiple cysts, multiple calcifications, classic serous cyst adenoma. 
in this patient with an incidental mass on chest x-ray, what's the best diagnosis? Well, you see a cystic lesion which pushes up to the carina. You could think about lymphoma, but it's not solid. It's not an abscess, and it's surely not lung cancer. Classic location, subcarinal, you better be thinking about a bronchogenic cyst. I will admit in this case, you could have thought about esophageal duplication cyst. It's a little bit large and it comes up high, but that's a possibility. You surely wouldn't think about a pericardial cyst. Remember, we think of those three cysts, bronchogenic cyst, esophageal duplication cyst, and pericardial cyst, and this is a bronchogenic cyst. In this patient short of breath with dyspnea, what's the best diagnosis? Well, you see a mass that appears to be in the tracheal wall. You see it on the axial view, it's solid, and you see it very nicely on the coronal, how it pushes in the airway, and it explains why the patient was short of breath or was wheezing. This is in the wall of the trachea, so it's not a foreign body. That would have been a good thought, but it's not in the lumen. It's not an esophageal tumor. You can see the esophagus is to the left. You can think about a bronchogenic cancer, I guess, growing into the trachea, but this is pretty smooth. And when you think about tracheal tumors, the one you think about is an uh, adenoid cystic neoplasm. In the wall, you can see it very nicely. It's smooth. Occasionally, it bleeds. Usually, the patients present with dyspnea as the classic presentation. Just to remind everybody, and you'll see this on the pearls that come with this case when you, when you look later, um, when you talk about tracheal filling defects, we talk about primary, we talk about the compression, we talk about benign, and we talk about malignant, and we also determine whether something's a single or multiple. You think about papillomatosis, that's typically multiple. You can see all sorts of tracheal filling defects, from pseudotumors to foreign bodies to primary malignancies, like in this case, to certain unusual benign tumors like hemangioma, chondromas or papillomas. You can think about direct invasion from a lung cancer or when the multiple, as I mentioned, metastasis theoretically or laryngeal tracheal papillomatosis. It's a very nice differential diagnosis. In this case, was an adenoid cystic neoplasm. In this patient with shortness of breath and hemoptysis, what's the best diagnosis? Well, you see the patient's intubated. They're really short of breath. You see destruction of the lung parenchyma. You can see the pulmonary arteries are large. It could be TB, but there's really too much cystic spaces for TB. It's not simply pulmonary edema, right? It's not the appearance of pulmonary edema, and it's not the appearance of malignancy, that the patient does have some nodes present. One of the diseases that gives you nodes and bad lung disease, particularly in the apices, cystic spaces with fibrosis is sarcoidosis. If you had the coronal views here, you would have seen the pulmonary arteries pulled up to the apices due to the fibrosis, and this was a great case of end-stage sarcoidosis. In this patient with hematuria, what's the best diagnosis? Well, you look at the chest images, you see there's an infiltrating process in the posterior metastinum in addition to the pleural effusions, and in the abdomen, you see a retroperitoneal process with involvement of the perirenal space. Now, I have to admit the first thing you should think about is lymphoma. Lymphoma, posterior metastinum, infiltration of the mesentery, infiltration of perirenal spaces. Retroperitoneal fibrosis can involve both the chest and abdomen, but the perirenal involvement is not what you're going to see with retroperitoneal fibrosis. And sarcoid can give nodes in the chest and abdomen. Posterior metastinum is not the best thing for sarcoid, 
but it's not infiltrating into the mesentery like this. What else can you think about? Well, Ehrenheim-Chester disease is the thing you want to think about. It can present, and it's classic for perirenal space involvement. It's classic for giving what looks like bulky adenopathy and infiltration, looking in part like retroperitoneal fibrosis, which in part it is, but then also involving the chest. It's interesting. It's a triad of diffuse septal interstitial lung disease, pleural thickening, perirenal encasement, and sclerotic bone lesions. It's also known as non-Lagerhans cell histiocytosis of unknown etiology. We are seeing more cases of Ehrenheim-Chester disease. One of the classic things is that perirenal fat being effaced or infiltrated by soft tissue, usually bilateral, often symmetric. So it's a really interesting case, and we've seen a few of these. these. Um, patients are often not diagnosed correctly. You can also see infiltration around the aorta. It looks like an infiltrating vasculitis type process. It's super hot on the PET scan, and it can involve the aorta anywhere from the root through the iliac vessels. It's just a wonderful diagnosis. One of the classic things is bilateral symmetric osteosclerosis of the metaphysis, diaphysis of the long bones, particularly the femur. Just a wonderful, wonderful diagnosis. And you really could help the patient by making that diagnosis because often the clinician has never thought of that disease. In this patient with an absent pulse in the left leg, what's the best diagnosis? Well, when you look at the left leg, you can see the superficial femoral artery is nearly occluded. Then you look at the image of the aorta I showed you, there's a big thrombus there. So when you look at the patient's vessels on the right side also, this is not a classic case of simply peripheral vascular disease. It's not flow changes. It's too high up, there's good injection, and it's not an occult malignancy. What it is is, it's a big clot in the aorta, which is then giving embolic phenomena. So you're getting emboli, you can see it's a kidney, spleen, liver, and vessels. And this case was embolic phenomena to the patient's superficial femoral artery. We are seeing more of these cases. Um, it's hard to understand how large an, a clot you need to see in the aorta to be of concern, but it is something we are looking at at this moment. In this patient with back pain, what's the best diagnosis? Well, what you see here is you see an infiltrating tumor in the sacrum. It's expanding the sacrum, destroying the sacrum, and there's a large soft tissue component. Lymphoma can infiltrate the bone, but not in this appearance. Rectal cancer can invade directly into the patient's sacrum and cause destruction, but here the rectum looks okay. This is not an appearance of myeloma. You can get big soft tissue masses with myeloma, plasmacytomas, but you don't see this infiltration and the bones are not osteopenic. This is a wonderful example, also a wonderful location for chordoma. Chordoma is the classic destructive lesion seen at base of skull and in the sacrum, large soft tissue mass, bony destruction. Just a beautiful example of chordoma. So with that, I've shown you 10 wonderful cases. I hope you enjoyed them all. I hope you learned something. And I hope your month is absolutely terrific. We wish everybody a wonderful Thanksgiving. And we're getting down to the end of 2021. I'll see you next month.
If you like this video, make sure to subscribe to the CTSS YouTube channel. You can also visit us at ctss.com for even more videos, plus quizzes, pearls, protocols, and oh so much more. We're also in the App Store and have well over a dozen apps for iPhone and iPad, all completely free. Thanks for watching.